Praise the Lord. All right, take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Exodus chapter 25. I appreciate you, Brother True. Uh, what a great, great song and a great reminder of God's amazing grace. I appreciate him singing some of the verses we don't normally sing, uh, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, somebody has once said one of the most lonely things you'll ever find is the third verse of a four-verse stanza uh, in the hymnal. You seem to skip over those things, and I'm guilty of it as well. Uh, of course, most of it for me is my lack of ability. I, I, my, I just can't hang in that long. Uh, but uh, we love these old hymns, not because they're old, because they're right. And we praise the Lord for that. Amen. All right. Uh, Exodus chapter 25. You can remain seated just for a moment. I have a few things I want to say. And then we'll get into the message. We're looking at the cherubim upon the mercy seat. And uh, we're talking about the mercy seat, but God just kind of led me in a little bit of a different direction. Now, we're still looking at the patterns of the tabernacle, but we're actually going to talk about cherubim today. And that is the angelic beings around the throne of God, even at this moment. And uh, we're going to talk about them and make some uh, references uh, to them concerning the believer, that is the Christian, and even the church as well. And uh, so I believe it will be a, a blessing to you. I'm excited about sharing what God's laid on my heart. But uh, last week we stepped into the Holy of Holies and we've been uh, preaching through these patterns for quite some time now and I hope again they've been a blessing to you. And there we found the Ark of the Testimony and certainly the mercy seat that sat upon the Ark of the Testimony. And we really spent most of our time talking about the Ark itself, the box that is, uh, and even the things that are inside there. But we talked about how the Ark we believe is a pattern of Christ and we found inside there the tablets that's the law the manna the rod that budded and we find all those similar things in Christ today and and uh, we talked we did talk about the mercy seat they're resting upon the ark of the testimony and how God the father's mercy rests on the grace of his son and just a wonderful word picture if you remember not only is the saved meeting with God through Christ but God is also meeting with us through Christ and and to me, that just really got a hold of my heart as well. Uh, and certainly, when we think about the grace of God, the mercy of God, we certainly don't want to make light of God's holy law. And we talked about that. We, we, we're not making light of the law of God. Uh, and again, if we see that Ark of the Covenant as a pattern of Christ... Uh, we know that Jesus fulfilled the law, amen? The, hey, listen, the law is in Christ, and we thank the Lord for that. Uh, but the law for us is not for salvation purposes. It's for the knowledge of sin. Uh, no, the law will not bring you forgiveness of sin, amen? It, hey, the law is looking into a mirror, and you will see that you are a sinner. And uh, John chapter 1, verse 17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so we thank the Lord for that. So Jesus has kept the law, that is, as a man. He walked upon this earth for some 33 years, and he kept the law. He still keeps the law. Amen. It, it, it is shut up in him in many ways. And so this means that God the Father is satisfied in God the Son. He is well pleased in the Son, and all those in the Son, God the Father sees, as I said earlier, as justified. Amen. Saved from the penalty of sin. Amen. And we've seen that throughout these patterns. We looked at different parts of the furniture. And so Ephesians 2, 8, 9 reminds us, For by grace are you saved through faith. Amen. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're not saved by keeping any law or any work. But today we're going to focus again on the cherubim 
the cherubim that were uh, formed, if you will, into the mercy seat. And uh, we're going to talk about that. And so I want you to go ahead and stand with me, if you will, if you're physically able, in reverence to the Word of God this morning. And we're in Exodus chapter 25. I don't know if I told you that or not. But we're in Exodus chapter 25. And we're going to see here just a, a simple uh, 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 explanation of what this is. Uh, just a, a simple word picture, if you will. And it says there in Exodus 25, verse 18, And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. Actually, I said that backwards a while ago. Really, the cherubim come out of the mercy seat, and that's an important thing. But it says in verse 19, And make one cherub on the one end, that is one end of the mercy seat, and, on the, uh, and the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims of the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat. And we've learned that the mercy seat is where the presence of God would dwell. Um, it says, The mercy seat with their wings and their faces shall look one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. Verse 21, And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, that is the lid, if you will. The mercy seat covered the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And we know later that the manna and the uh, Aaron's rod that budded would be put in there later. But now notice verse 22. And we focused on this verse pretty hard last week. I want to do it again this week. It says, And there uh, I, that is God, will meet with thee, and I will commune, that means speak, I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in the commandment unto, I'm sorry, in commandment unto the children of Israel. God says, I will meet with thee, I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, notice, from between the two cherubims. I want to look at these cherubims this morning upon the mercy seat. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings of life. We thank you for your love, your mercy. Father, as we focus on that again, and certainly your grace. And Father, we thank you for supplying a way, Father, making it a bridge to cross that impossible gulf, Lord, between fallen man and a holy and righteous God. And so, Father, we thank you for that. I do pray, dear God, if there's anyone here this morning, Father, that's not saved, or maybe they're thinking they're saved because of some type of work or sacrament or you know whatever that case may be lord but but yet lord they've never really truly accepted jesus Christ's sacrifice on their behalf and father maybe they're trying to work their way to heaven maybe they are doing a pretty good job of it lord but we know in the end we'll always fall short of the glory of god that which is needed to make heaven our home father uh, man cannot achieve so i hope and pray dear god none of us are in that situation and Father, that uh, if anyone needs to be saved today, Lord, that they would come and accept Christ as their Savior. Father, He died for whosoever. He died for the world. He wishes that none would perish. And so, Father, we pray that you'll speak to hearts. I pray for that believer that might be struggling in some area of their life, dear God, and just help us to understand some things as well. Father, as we uh, focus in on these angelic beings for just a little while, and Father, uh, help us to understand what you'd have us to understand. We'll thank you for it. We'll love you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. I appreciate you standing for the reading of the Word of God. So again, we're going to look at these, really look at what these cherubim are. We're going to go to a, another place in Scripture. Uh, in other words, we're going to look at them as seen in the Word of God. 
not just the, the golden ones that are on top of the mercy seat, but the actual cherubim that the Bible reveals. And we're going to see this pattern emerge. Of course, that's what this series has been all about, is patterns of the tabernacle. And, um, you know, we've seen patterns of Christ. We've seen patterns of the church. We've seen patterns of the believer. We've seen patterns of different attitudes, all types of things. Uh, and, again, I hope it's been a, a help to you, uh, you know, learning a great deal about these things as well. Uh, and certainly we're going to see another pattern emerge as we look at these cherubim that points to the position of God's children. And we know, too, that because of the blood of the Savior, we have access to the Holy of Holies. Amen. We know there's not a veil there anymore. And we praise the Lord for that. But there's still a great deal more to be considered as we explore, again, these angelic beings, uh, again, that we know as identified in the Bible as cherubim. And so to do that, I want you to go to the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1. And we're going to read uh, some descriptions there concerning cherubim. Uh, we find Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel is a prophet uh, who, who was exiled during the exile of Judah uh, to Babylon and uh, spent most of his life there, I would say, and was a great prophet of God. And we can learn a great deal about the end times and so forth from the book of Ezekiel. And we're going to find him there by the river Chabar, and he has a vision, if you will, I believe he actually saw into heaven uh, concerning a great deal of things. We certainly couldn't go over all that today. Uh, but we're going to focus here on the cherubim a little bit and talk about what he saw. And uh, so I want you to start there in Ezekiel chapter 1. Notice verse 4. Notice verse 4. We're just going to kind of read all these together and then I'll preach back through them. And he says, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst there, um, thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire, also out of the midst thereof, came the likeness of four living creatures. Now we're going to know, know that these are cherubim. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. And every one had four faces, and every one had four wings. And their feet were straight feet, and the soles of their feet was like the sole of a cast foot. Uh, and they sparkled like the color of uh, burnished uh, brass. And they had the hands of a man under their wing on their four sides. Uh, and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. Uh, they went every one straight forward. Uh, as for the likeness of their faces, the four had the face. Uh, of a man and the face of a lion on the right side, and uh, on the and the and they four had the face of an ox on the left side. The four also had the face of an eagle, and thus were their faces and their wings stretched uh, upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies. And they went every one straight forward, whether the spirit was to go. That's in reference to the Holy Spirit. They went and they turned not when they went. Just kind of look at it this way. They, they hovered. They, you know, we turn our bodies, but they just they were just all over. Okay, And, and there's some great things there. Unfortunately, we don't have time to get into all that. But that's the, the word picture that we have here. And it says, uh, verse 12, And they went one straight forward. Whether the Spirit was, was to go, they went, and they turned not when they went. Uh, and as, as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like, the, like burning coals of fire, 
and like the appearance of lamps or torches, uh, it went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. Uh, and the living creatures ran and returned uh, as the appearance of a, of a flash of lightning. Now, we'll stop there. Now, I would, maybe one of these days we will, maybe we'll preach through the book of Ezekiel, and there's some great things there that will just blow your mind. But I want you to just kind of give a, I read that just so we can kind of glean some things here. And I, I'm not probably going to answer all your questions that you may have uh, after the service. You want to ask me, I'll try to help you. But, but I want to just pull a few things out of this passage. And we see first that they came out of the midst of the fire. I read that in verses 4 and 5. And fire uh, is seen a lot of different ways in the Bible. Um, often it's connected to as being even an emblem of God himself. And, and we saw there that these cherubim came out of God. Now we understand uh, uh, we're going to see some patterns uh, uh, concerning the cherubim, uh, believers even. But as we've made mention, believers though uh, should do as the Bible commands, right? And, and be a part of a local New Testament church, right? We, we're not into this lone wolf Christianity. We, we believe that people get, people get saved, they get baptized, and what's next? Add it to the church, amen. Uh, uh, Acts chapter 2, read it. It's a great, uh, great read. And so again, we, we understand that the, the children of God certainly should be a part of a local New Testament church that is a church family. So we're still looking, uh, making some connections to the patterns of the church family as well. Now we know, as we've learned in some other lessons and even some of these, that the origin of the church is found in Christ. Amen. The church came out of Jesus Christ. Will we all agree to that? That doctrine that he taught and handed down to his disciples is the doctrine that you and I live by or should be living by, the same doctrine that we should teach today. Uh, we know that the origin of the church is found in Christ. He is certainly the head of every local New Testament church. Uh, again, we, we are preaching that, or at least we should be. Uh, the church was empowered on the day of Pentecost. Uh, and so the, power, the point for now is, though, is like the cherubim came out of God to go. Listen, the church came out of the Savior. Amen. That's important to understand. Uh, and listen, how can two walk together unless they be agreed, right? So there might be some people out there that have the name church in their name, but if they're not preaching Jesus, they didn't come out of him. Amen? They didn't come out of him. And so we need to understand that's important. So these cherubim, they came out of the midst of fire. That is, they came out of God. And so we see that they were living creatures. They were living beings even. And even just reading the word description, I still don't think we could picture exactly what it is. But these angels were created. Now, they were created like all else. They have a beginning, just like you and I have a beginning. But they do have uh, everlasting life. And so... We understand that when man fell in the garden, all sense are born spiritually dead. We, we have not that ability to make heaven our home. But the Bible says, whosoever will can call upon the name of the Lord and have eternal life. Aren't you glad? Amen. Now, I believe sometimes we need to be reminded that if we're saved, you know, we say, well, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. Uh, so you have eternal life, right? Yeah, I know I have eternal life. But as I've shared several times in my own testimony, I don't always act like I have eternal life. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is, is, you know, certainly there's things I want to do better. But sometimes I just get overwhelmed, right, with life. You know, you know everyone hates me. No one likes me, right? You know, uh, we get all down in the mouth about things. 
And I think sometimes we actually forget as children of God that we have eternal life. <laughs> I think sometimes we act and live and walk around uh, and we have seasons. We understand not, not every season in life is going to be joyful. There's going to be sadness. There's going to be heartaches. But I don't know. I think sometimes more than I'd like to admit, sometimes I'm, I, I, I'm walking around like I forgot that I have eternal life. I'm walking around like I've forgotten that one of these days I'm going to be standing in the portals of glory. Amen. And no matter what might happen on this side of eternity, listen, that will never go away, amen, because I have eternal life. And if you're saved, you have eternal life. And so, again, we see here that, that they certainly had eternal life, and uh, we have eternal life. They're living beings, that is. Uh, sometimes we, we forget, too, that one of these days we're going to be changed, amen? Don't do it today or right now because I'm preaching at you, but... Uh, if you go back there to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, get back there about verse 51. Whoo, that's shouting ground right there. And some of us, you know, that have those aches and pains, amen. Some of you a lot worse than I even do, right? You know, hey, listen, you got you to be tough if you're going to get old, don't you? <laughs> amen. <laughs> Getting old ain't for sissies, amen. Because uh, it hurts, it's painful. But one of these days you're going to, listen, you're going to be a new creature. You're, you're going to have a new body, amen. Isn't that wonderful? And I, I believe we can shout about that even now uh, because one of these days it will happen. So we have eternal life so we can be steadfast. We can be unmovable, abounding in His work. Uh, and we can do that if we think about what we have waiting for us. And it says there in verse 5 that they had a likeness unto man. And this is kind of interesting. You know, this, uh, you know, talking about our body, uh, not just the the aches and pains and the deterioration of the body, but, but my body, it, it fails me at times, amen? What I'm saying is, does that old flesh ever interfere with God's plans for your life? Amen, it does, amen? And it might just be a simple decision that God's saying, yeah, I want you to go to this, or yeah, I want you to speak to this person, or, or I want you to say this, but we come up with some type of reason why we can't do that. And that's what I mean. We're, our body interferes with God's plan in our life probably more than we realize at times. Small things, big things, in-between things. Uh, and so, so again, I, I understand that. I, uh, it often interferes with God's plans. But I know one day that, that, listen, in the twinkle of an eye, and that's fast, that all that's going to be changed, amen. I'm so looking forward to that, that I'll have the mind and heart of Christ someday, and so will you if you're saved this morning. But for now, I, I do want to be more and more like Jesus. And what I mean by that is I want to be like the man Jesus. These cherubim, they had a likeness of man. Are we not as believers? We want to be Christ-like, amen. We want to be like the man Jesus, amen. That is his attitudes. That is his, his character, his demeanor, uh, his, his language, uh, everything. You just want to plug in there. We want to be Christ-like. I want to, I, hey, listen, I want to walk as Christ walked on this earth, don't you? I don't do it, but I want to. I want to talk as he talked. I want to live as he lived. Most of all, I want to love as he loved, Amen. Not there, but I want to be. And when we get saved, the divine nature, we understand, immediately it comes inside of us through God the Holy Ghost. Amen. We're dwelt with the Holy Ghost of God. But we don't always yield to the Holy Ghost of God the way we should. But the Holy Ghost of God is there. And oh, how we ought to want to see that reflected in our personal walk 
in this world. Amen. That's I want to be like the man Jesus. Amen. I want to live the way that God has given me the power to do so on the inside. Amen. And we can, by the way. We can do that. And so the cherubim certainly a pattern of the believer, a pattern uh, of the church. We read there about four faces of the cherubim. not going to go through it again because uh, I'm running out of time. Seems like I'm always running out of time lately. My time control has not been good of late. I apologize for that. But we've, we have a saying, though, that uh, it's not a compliment when referring to someone. We might say of someone, uh, I don't like them because they're two-faced. We understand what that means, right? We understand what being a two-faced is. You say good things uh, in your presence, but when, when they're out of earshot of you, they say another, right? That's being a two-faced. We don't ever want to be a two-faced, right? Amen. So that's certainly not a compliment. But here we have angelic beings, again, called cherubim, having four faces. But we know this is not a negative thing. Because, again, we see some patterns. Namely, uh, I want to see these as patterns of healthy attitudes. In other words, healthy attitudes that believers, that is, a, a church family ought to have. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm seeing too much retreating in a lot of churches today, aren't you? I'm seeing too much of Christians running backwards. We ought not be that way. Hey, listen, I, I think that's a bad character flaw. I think that's spiritual laziness. I think that's not loving God, not loving family enough to make a stand, right? And I see once godly, faithful dads and moms retreating. And I don't understand it. I even see children that are raised up in Christian homes, and as soon as they are out of the, the nest, if you will, they're, they're running from God. They're not in church. Their family's not in church. That's heartbreaking. So I see a lot of retreating. So the first thing we see is the face of a man. Now, I know sometimes, and usually this is the good way to see it, you know, uh, man, you know, we don't know how to go in or out, right? I mean, I mean we're, what can we do outside of Christ? Absolutely nothing, right? But I can do all things through Christ, right? But I can do nothing without Christ. But in this particular case, though, as we think about the man Jesus, um, and I believe this to be true uh, concerning this particular passage, this may speak of wisdom. A better way to see it, though, is not worldly wisdom, but the wisdom in Christ as he walked upon this earth as a man. And certainly he was wise, right? Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of, of the holy is understanding. And I'd just like to mention that, again, that it's cru uh, crucial for a, or to a local New Testament church that, and I brought this up lately, that men ought to lead, amen? Men ought to set examples, amen? Men ought to be faithful, amen? Amen? So we see there the face of a man. I believe that certainly a local New Testament church needs men to be wise men. Amen? And to be faithful men. Then we see the face of a lion. We see all this in verse 10, by the way. Now, we're sheep in many ways. Uh, we, we want to be careful here. We don't want to get puffed up. In other words, we're, we're sheep concerning our dependence upon God. Because for without Christ, I, you, we can do nothing. I would say that we're sheep among wolves, right? The Bible says we're to be uh, uh, wise as serpents, yet harmless as doves uh, in our character. Certainly Christ lived that way. 
But nowhere do we find that the believer who can do all things through Christ, do you believe that? That a believer can do all things through Christ, nowhere in the Scriptures do we find the believer who can do all things through Christ is to run away from trials and troubles and cry for the hills and the rocks to come down on top of us. Nowhere do you see that in the Scriptures. Now you see that from the wicked. You see that from the ungodly. You see the ungodly retreating from God, but we don't need to retreat from God. Amen. Hallelujah. I tell you, and I see a lot of retreating. It troubles me. Not that, you know, I'm anybody, but I'm sure God sees it too. We're to be brave and courageous. We ought to be advancing with the gospel of Christ. Christ said, the gates of hell, amen, shall not prevail against us. By the way, that's the context there is offensive, not defensive. Amen. Think about that for a second. And he literally was, many believe, standing at the gates of hell. Uh, yeah, which is an interesting story. So we're to be advancing with the gospel of Christ, not, not hiding it under a bushel, no. We're not to be leave, living these sheepishly, I don't know if that's a word or not, sheepishly living in the land of mediocre and compromise. You know, the Laodicean life that the Lord is not pleased with at all, says it makes him sick to his stomach. Hey, listen. We, we need to be advancing. Amen. Uh, our Savior is the Lion of Judah. Amen. So onward, as the song says, Christian soldier. So we see the face of a man. We see the face of a lion. We also see the face of an ox. All this in verse 10 again. And uh, an ox, we might think of, uh, especially back in the, the real olden days, like when Brother John Higgins was, was a young man. Uh, they used oxes a lot, right? And uh, we think of patience and perseverance. Again, we talk about Holy Ghost power. It takes Holy Ghost power to live the crucified life. Amen. You know, it's pretty easy to live like a worldling. It's easy to live the carnal life. Now, it's not easy on you, but it's easy to cave to the devil. But listen, it takes patience, it takes perseverance, it takes faith uh, to live the crucified life. It's not easy, it's even downright hard at times. And we think about that ox pushing in that old collar. Hey, listen, we got to labor, amen. Our Savior labored while He walked on this earth, did He not? Yeah, He labored as He literally walked towards the cross. He was working towards the cross. Think about that. Praise, praise God for His faithfulness. Amen. Praise God He didn't stumble. Praise God He didn't waver. God help me because I failed in those areas. So we walked towards the cross. And I too got to trust Him. And with patience and perseverance, perseverance that is, I need to run my race. Let's hurry. The face of an eagle. You know, an eagle can get an amazing view of this world, can't he? You know, maybe some of us flown in jets and, or airplanes. It's pretty amazing to look at the world from a bird's eye view. But spiritually speaking, we as a church family, we talked about this, you know, the tragic story of Lot. And we too as a church family, we have to see the world through the eyes of God who is in the heaven of heavens, right? And you say, I can't see the world as God sees it. How could I ever... 
How can I ever see the world as God sees it? Well, we've got to do it through the lens of His Holy Word. If you want to see the world, for, if you want a bird's eye view, listen to me, it's through the Word of God. And your attitude towards this Bible this morning is your attitude towards God. You say, I get tired of hearing that, preacher. Well, that's too bad because I'll never get tired of saying it. Because <laughs> it's true. I think if we're all honest, every predicament we get ourselves into is because we don't do what this book says. Whether ignorantly or just outright disobeying it, it doesn't matter when you disobey the Word of God, bad things come in your life. So it behooves us to get in the Word, right? To see what God says. If we want to see the world how we need to see it, we don't need to see it as worldlings. We need to see it as God sees it. And He is high and lifted up. And we see that through the lens of the Bible. I've been making mention of late. I, I know, I've, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm picking on you, but... But again, I'm just concerned, folks. I, man, I just, I, I, the Bible says to fret not, but I, I fret sometimes. I'll just be honest with you. I'm worried about a lot of things going on in the world today. Some of the stupidity that's out there. And there's a lot of Christians that are maybe going to church on a pretty regular basis. Maybe they're not. But in my estimation, there are a lot of Christians that lack a great deal of discernment concerning the things of this world. They're not shocked they've lost their blush. They're not concerned about certain things. They're not concerned about what their children's eye gate and ear gate. They don't, they're just not concerned. And i got to wonder, why is that? Well, it has to be they don't realize the danger. Why don't they realize the danger? Because they are not getting in the Word. They don't know what thus saith the Lord. So, we need to have the face of an eagle, right? We need to see things as they need to be seen and you know there's a lot of unscriptural trends come on now unscriptural trends some people call it fad some people call it culture some call it the end thing whatever you want to plug in there but listen at the end of the day they're unscriptural and they're not of God and we need to be aware of that you say well how do I know what's unscriptural get in the word of God I would recommend coming to Sunday school and Sunday night church and Wednesday night church praise God amen turn that old wicked television off amen read your Bible study your Bible praise the Lord amen to that you got to stay away from those unscriptural trends right unscriptural trends they creep into the churches how they creep into the churches through the people Unscriptural trends in churches, homes, people living. Brother Barrett was here with us last Sunday night. First time I really got to sit down and talk to him. I like him. He, he's a good guy. He and I are on the same page. You know, it's amazing. I've never probably said a half a dozen words to Brother Barrett. Uh, maybe not even that many. And, and, uh, uh, but, but he came and we got to eat some supper and, and uh, visit, I believe it was Sunday night. And, and uh, it was just amazing. Like I said, we didn't talk about things, but just through our conversation, you know, he has the same concerns as I do. And it was amazing. And we talked about a lot of things, but one of the things we talked about was, was church membership. And, and he, he said this, and, and I, I wrote it down because I was like, man, that's good. I got to use that. And so I'm going to. And uh, he, he said this. He said, people should realize they are joining the church, not the church joining them. Hey man, that'll preach, right? And and what and, and he, he meant it in a different way, but but what I was talking, what, what came into my mind 
is I say it all the time, the world's evangelizing the church instead of the church evangelizing the world. And that comes through worldly people that just want to come and still do what they want to do, live how they want to live, ignore what the Word of God says. Amen? Hey, listen, when, when you're on God's side, you need to live the way God says. Amen. Amen. And I think there's a great truth to that. And so a proper view of the world by a church family and certainly by the preacher, amen, would never allow the world to evangelize the church. And all of God's people said, amen. How the cherubim moved. Let's talk about that. It says there they went straight forward there, verse 12, I believe. And we just kind of think of they, they, they kept their faces forward. They're, you know, they never turned. So they had four faces. But now they could move anywhere they wanted to. You know, kind of hard for us to understand. But I like that. Years ago, years and years ago, I was once accused of a dear brother in Christ. I love him, and he still loves me, but he used to struggle with me. And, and uh, my, uh, uh, well, he, he just basically told me we, we had a, a meeting one day, and he was a deacon, and he looked at me, and he, I remember he did this. He said, Preacher, he said, sometimes, he said, you're like this, you've got blinders on. And I looked at him, I went, Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, my Bible tells me that uh, uh, that the 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 you know that the, the, the gate is narrow, right? It's not all inclusive. Um, maybe some of you understand what blinders are. Maybe some of you don't. But it just had to do with my unwillingness to allow certain things I thought were dangerous in the church. And Paul said this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. Forward, amen. Uh, those things which are before. I think that's important, amen. We see there in verse 12, I made mention as I was reading it that this really has a lot to do with the guiding of the Holy Spirit of God. Are we not to, as believers, as church family today, are we not to go wherever the Lord leads us? We're not to be like Lot's wife looking back, right? We're to be, we're to be moving, right, as God leads us, right? We're not to be, we're just to stay focused on what the Holy Spirit of God's leading us to do. We all agree with that. I think that's theologically correct, wouldn't you? I don't, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I believe that's Bible. I believe that's truth. But uh, you think, okay, well, maybe some of you don't understand what blinders are. A lot of times they used them for draft-type animals, working horses, if you will. And a lot of it had to do with row crops and all that. But, but really what they did was uh, it was mainly uh, not so much it, it helped with the fearful part of it, but mainly it was to keep them from getting distracted. Amen. See, that's our biggest problem. We get distracted, don't we, as believers, right? Ooh, look at that. You know. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, I didn't, hey what? You know, it, it's almost like we're always looking for a way out instead of a way in. Right? And listen, we need blinders on, spiritual blinders. Now, we need to walk circumspectly. But now, that's a spiritual truth. It's not all this compromise junk that you see around, amen? And so again, they, they went where the Spirit went. And again, we need to, we need to have our spiritual blinders on so as to not 
get distracted so that we can follow after God. So we see there how the cherubim moved. We see also a movement that I want to read again. We didn't get to it. I quit reading. But look there at verse 19. I'll read it and then I'll, I'll talk about it here. It says, And when the living creatures... And I'm almost done, so bear with me. And when living creatures went, the wheels uh, went. We didn't talk about those, but again, this is all has to do with the Holy Spirit by them. And when the living creatures, notice what it says, were lifted up from the earth. What's that remind you of? What's it remind you of? Lifted up from the earth. What's that remind you of concerning us? That reminds me of the rapture. Amen. And it says they were lifted up from the earth. The wheels were lifted up as well. Now we understand, again, I'm skipping a lot of things here, but the context of this passage, again, I believe at this moment was directed to the Jew concerning the future, concerning the presence of God, departing, that is, before the destruction of the temple, I think, for the Jew. Those things have happened. But we learn from Scripture, again, these are patterns, that the rapture of all believers is just before the tribulation. I think that's significant. You see, the world, I mentioned this in Sunday school this morning, the world doesn't realize that the only thing between them and the tribulation period, the only thing that's keeping back a flood of judgment is the very thing that they curse the most. That is the saved, that is the redeemed, that is the local New Testament churches that are preaching gospel. They don't even realize that for the sake of that church, they are reaping the benefits they have been given one more day, one more chance to be saved. Amen? But yet they curse the very thing that's holding back the wrath of God at this point. And that's a sad situation. But one day soon, I think, the Lord himself shall descend with a shout. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. There isn't anything left biblically to happen for that to happen. And finally, the cherubim on the mercy seat. Let's go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 25. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurry up. I'm going to hurry up. Exodus chapter 25. We might just pull a few things here. But we've already read there. We read some verses. And the mercy seat and the cherubim were all one piece of solid go. We read that in verses 18 and 19. We see there, uh, And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beaten work. Shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat, and make one cherub on the one end, another cherub on the other end. Even the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. So we see this solid piece of gold that is beaten out. The cherubim, because I, I mentioned this earlier, but I really said it backwards. The cherubim were beaten out of the mercy seat. Now think about this. This is a pattern of the church, right? A pattern of believers. If the cherubim could be seen as a pattern of a believer, or even as a pattern of a church family, uh, the cherubim are resting on the finished work of Christ. That is the Ark of the Covenant we learned last week. This is a great truth. We, too are now an actual part of God's mercy. Amen. Praise the Lord. Was not, and by the way, this was all in the mind of God before the world ever was. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And we see that. So the, the, the beating out, I think, needs to be addressed here. You know, uh, the Christian life. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. Uh, there are some Christians out there that are kind of like Lot. Uh, the devil really isn't worried about them too much. You know, you can live a life so mediocre for the Lord, the devil's not even worried about you. Wouldn't that be awful? Wouldn't that be awful? But the Christian life that's making a difference in the world, impacting eternity, 
is certainly, as Brother True saying, is going to be a life of toils and snares. Hey, listen, if you're going to be a, a obedient, faithful soldier of the cross, there is suffering, there is beating. And there's much to be said concerning the agony of the Savior. Even when he walked on this earth, he, he sweat blood. He would cry out. The Bible would say he cried. Look that word cried up in your Strong's Concordance. It means he literally cried with tears in his eyes. The Bible says Jesus wept. And that wasn't the only time he wept. So he understands. and So it is, the believer, we're going to have those, those seasons as well as we think about that beaten gold. So we know at times God would dwell between the cherubim as we think back to the mercy seat and the days of Moses and even on the days of the temple and Solomon and those cherubim there that they set upon that mercy seat and between those cherubim is where the spirit of God the presence of God rather would dwell God was in the midst of them our savior he's in the midst of the churches according to Revelation chapter 1 you know that God's in the midst of Central Calvary Baptist Church. Amen. I believe that. Does it not bring comfort to you knowing that? That even though we dwell in a fallen and certainly a very confusing world, that our Savior still dwells in the midst of us, never leaving us nor forsaking us. The veil is down, right? Oh, I want to live that way, though. The veil is down, but I... Hey, listen... We all have direct access to yet I don't know about you, this world still influences me more than God does at times. All I can say is, God, forgive me. Forgive me. I want to get it better. I want to do it right. And I hope you do too. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And Brother Brad's going to get a song ready. He's not going to play it just yet, but I just want you to Bow your heads, shut your eyes. We're, we're doing pretty good on time, so we're going to be done here in just a moment. But I just want God to speak to your heart. First of all, if you're here and you're not saved, you come and see me when the invitation is given. and We'll get somebody to take the Bible, the Word of God, and show you through the Word of God how you can be saved and accept Christ as your Savior through faith. Believer, I want you to imagine something right now. Imagine stepping behind the veil, maybe as Aaron the first high priest would do once a year. And again, imagine the glory of God resting on the mercy seat between those cherubim, those formed cherubim. Think about what we've learned here this morning. And let's remember that today, because of the finished work of Christ, if you're saved, really, you're doing that even right now. The veil's down. We have access to the Holy of Holies. It's been granted. Praise the Lord for the local New Testament church. Amen. And I just wonder if you're taking advantage of that. We learn from what we learned in our Sunday school lesson. We take of what we've learned here today concerning the cherubim. Is this old world, is this old world influencing you maybe more than you would like to admit? No, you make the excuses and we have the well what ifs and the couldas and the shouldas. But at the end of the day, we know, we know this old world's affecting us and influencing us far more than it needs to. I just want you to know that it don't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. Right this moment, you can make a decision to follow after God.
to live the crucified life as we talked about already. So if you need to do business with the Lord as a child of God, I, I would encourage you to come make your way to this altar, do business with Him. Again, if you're not saved, you come and do business with Him as well. We'll have, we'll, we've got people available that will help and pray with you as much as we can. I might just challenge you again. Are you, are you a faithful member of a local New Testament church? I, I hope that you are as we think about some of these patterns and some of these wonderful spiritual truths that we've looked at. As we consider what we have seen from God's Word concerning this cherubim this morning, is God speaking to your heart in some way? I believe He is, all of us. Let's come and do business with Him. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for the blessings of life. Father, we thank You for loving us the way that You do. We thank You for the Bible. We thank You for the Word of God. We thank You for these wonderful word pictures that we have. Uh, Father, these aren't fairy tales. This isn't make-believe. I believe that Ezekiel saw these things. I believe these things are going on in heaven, even right now as we speak. But you allowed a man of God to see him and to share with us, Lord, these wonderful scriptural Bible truths. Lord, not just so we can ooh and awe about it, but so that we can apply them to our lives and to live that life, Lord, in which you've called each and every one of us to live. So, Father, I have done what I believe you have me to do. I, I pray now, dear God, that the Holy Spirit, uh, Father, would roam these pews and these aisles. And, Father, that you'll stir hearts, stir feet. Uh, Father, help people to come and do business with you. May we all leave here today better than we came in. That is closer to God. And Father, we'll thank you for all you're going to do in these next few minutes. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. The invitation's open. God's speaking to your heart, and I know that he is. I want to encourage you to come and do business with the Lord this morning. If you've got some things in your life that you want to want to improve or do better, come and ask God to help you with that. Think about those cherubim. Think about some of the things that we've talked about. Amen. What's your, what's your attitude towards worldliness? What's your, what's your take on influence? And How about your ear gate and your eye gate? Oh, there's so much to think about and to pray about. Come and let God help you with that this morning. He loves you. He's died for you. He's provided a way of escape for the lost soul to be saved. He's given us everything that we needed to make heaven our home and giving us everything we needed to live in this old lost world and to still grow in Him and see great and mighty things done even on this side of eternity. The greatest thing a Christian can do for his family, the greatest thing a Christian can do for his or her community, for this world, is to live the life as seen in the Word of God that God has called each and every one of us to live. That's what will fix things. I can't do anything about what anybody else is doing when I get right down to it, but I can, I can take care of what's going on in my own life. And what I mean by that is I can yield to the Savior. I can yield to what this Bible says. I can trust what God says over what the world says. God will bless your life. And if you've got an area of rule, we all have an area of rule. We all have an area of influence. When God's blessing you, he'll bless those that are following you. Won't you come? Won't you come?
still time to come if you need to come. If you need to be saved, right now is the time. It only gets harder to be saved, not easier. And I would say believer, too. It only gets harder to rededicate your life. You know, our old heart just gets a little more calloused each and every time we resist what the Holy Spirit of God's telling us. Just gets a little easier to resist, a little easier to live with it. I shared the other day, I think sometimes we can, we can really get good, even as believers like Lot did, of living in this world and getting all we can out of it. But it will not sustain. It will come crashing down. If you need to do business with the Lord, right now is the time. Come and take care of it. Come and take care of it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for this Bible. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood that you shed for a lost and dying world. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. What an amazing God we have. You know, the more we learn about ourselves, the greater God ought to become, right? You know, um, our estimation of God is going to be in relation to our estimation of ourself. Does that make sense? The more I see myself as the way I need to see myself, the better I'm going to see God. Amen. I believe that's what the Bible calls dying to self. Paul said, I die daily, right? Amen. Amen. Boy, I want that. I want that. Well, praise the Lord. I tell you what, God is good. It's a beautiful day outside. I hope you'll be back for church tonight, amen, at 6 p.m. And uh, we've been talking about contending for the faith and, and uh, just uh, uh, a lot of uh, neat things we've been looking at. We're going to be looking at the scriptures tonight and the importance of the scriptures. And so I hope and pray you'll come be a part of those uh, messages as well. And, of course, our Wednesday night uh, services, uh, we're, we got our last message in the book of Proverbs. Three solid years we've preached through every verse of the book of Proverbs. And so we'll be finishing that up almost three years to the day that I started that. Lacks a couple weeks. And so I'm looking forward to uh, 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 what uh, God's uh, leading me to do next. I, I've already shared with some of the folks, I think we may go verse by verse to the book of Romans. And uh, so... So that'll be another good one. So I encourage you to come be a part of those services as well. All right, all right. I'm going to uh, get Brother Owen B., if he would, dismiss us in prayer, please, sir.